Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films, filmmaking and film theory. In each programme we'll focus on a particular movie and we're going to review it, talk about it and discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And as always, we'll end with our recommendations for films to watch following this week's film. The links will be as close or as tenuous as we want them to be. But first of all, who are we and why should you listen to us? My companion on this podcast is the eminent Rob Maythorne, who has... Uh, yeah, no, I think I like that, as you do. Uh, yeah, eminent, eminent, that is yeah. nice. Um, he spent a decade or more in the, in the film business, um, whether in education in that or actually getting his hands dirty, um, and has since, much in, in the vein of the protagonist of our film this week, has has retired and his villa in Spain is just doing a, a light bit of editing and photographing in, in Telford. So that's where he's he's taken his retirement. And I am Sam Knowles and I'm a writer and teacher and I write about books and graphic novels and uh, films and I talk about culture and racism and things that interest me and I hope to get other people interested in all of that. Essentially he's the smart one, I'm one with the experience yes. and that's the kind of... <laughs> those are the lines. Yes. So this, this week Sam, it was your choice of film. It was and I chose the 2000 film Sexy Beast. Meet Don Logan. Cigarette. What? This? No, I'm not going to put it out. Are you definitely retired? Yeah, I'm retired. Why? You're needed in London this Friday. It's a bit sudden, isn't it? It's not sudden. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Just say my name for me. Go. When I think of all the birds you could have had, and you had to pick a dirty DD. I love her with all my Sexy Beast is a film directed by Jonathan Glazer in the year 2000. Um, it was Glazer's uh, directorial debut after a career um, almost entirely producing music videos and adverts. Um, and to date, Sexy Beast is pretty much his only um, his only feature film of any success, to achieve any success. Um and it was rated in Total Film's top 20 British films of all time um, in 2004. Um, it stars a post-Gandhi but pre-Knighthood Ben Kingsley, who was nominated for a supporting actor Academy Award. Um, a post... Uh, actually, I, I'm not sure. Was that Academy Award? It might have been BAFTA. Anyway, it was, it was an Academy Supporting Actor Award of some sort. And um, uh, Post Love Joy and Pre Deadwood in Shane. And Amanda Redman in her only notable film role after her numerous UK TV appearances. There was a, a spate in the late 90s, early 2000s when it seemed that Amanda Redman was on everything on ITV. Um, and the film tells the story of a former gangster who's a gal for short, Gary, um, who retires and moves to Spain um, and li- lives the high life with his with his wife, Dee Dee, his friend H, and um, H's much younger wife, Jackie. 
um, and they have a great old time together and then Ben Kingsley turns up um, offering the I say offering it, impressing on him very strongly the fact that he should really come back and join him on the on one last job and uh, Gal really doesn't want to do this and Don really does want him to, want him to uh, join the join the gang and that's probably about where we should leave it in terms of synopsis um, yes Rob what were your thoughts I didn't like it okay I'll look a bit more on that <laughs> I really liked Ray Winston mm-hmm. I think Ray Winston is good in almost everything he's ever been in I really liked Ian McShane I'm a big fan of Deadwood I thought he was very good in this I just didn't like anything that happened in Spain I found it. I found it dull. I found it. I found it overly. I'm trying to think of the words here. Overly repetitive. Overly tropey. I found it just. I. I suppose. I'm trying to kind of don that a bit. I'm not I'm not saying I didn't like it because of the character of Don. Don as a character is very aggressive. He's very unpleasant as a character. He's meant to be unpleasant. Yes. Yeah. You have these gangsters who are very clearly saying he is an unpleasant man, and I'm down. I, 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 you know, the films I watch, I'm very happy with an unpleasant character. I just found them dull. I just found him a one-note character who was just this blaze of rage with nothing undercutting it. I thought the structure of the film was just kind of off pace. I thought it just kind of had no structural pace or flow to it. I will say, once they got back to London, I enjoyed the film a lot more. I thought some of the visuals were very strong. I think uh, Jonathan Glasson's background in, in like music video production was very clear mm. in some of the visuals of the film. You've got, the, the, you got very different palettes for London and Spain. Pain, Spain's almost very sparse, a lot of it. Um, and I think that it was, at times, you can see very carefully choreographed and very carefully planned there's a scene early on when Don arrives in Spain they're all kind of sitting around a table or sitting around like a thing and Don's sitting off to the side a little bit by himself and it's all very carefully staged it just bored me this is a I understand what they're trying to do with the film it's just it's British gangster films you know I've seen thousands of them and none of them have been good for a lot of years um, I, it just did nothing for me at all. Okay, fair enough. Sam, um, much as I, I really, I, much as I really love strenuously disagreeing with you about films, I have to say that grudgingly I do agree with you. Um, not okay. not to the same extent, and I think everyone should know that this is one of the few films that. I had seen before and Rob hadn't. Um, that doesn't come around very often. Um, I, for a long time, have loved the exchange um, from Ray Winston. I'm going to have to say, and was it? I'm going to have to turn you down. And Ben Ben Kingsley's reply is, "I'm no. You're going to have to turn this opportunity yes," mm. which is I just love that line, um, but. I I get what get what you're saying. Um, I thought this would be 
I still think this has been an interesting one to talk about um, from that perspective of British character films. Yes, uh, I, 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 I would agree that there's, there's, there's things to talk about this film, regardless mm. of my personal opinions on the film. Yes, I, I like what is being done here with the expectations of someone watching a gangster film. Um, mm-hmm. And I like, I mean, pe- people people who, who, who like you have watched millions of them before or who is sort of grown up on that sort of sort of story are kind of expecting a very quick agreement to do something like that mm. there's a sort of a takeoff of it in the um the most recent muppets film but they have a they they call it go they go and put the band back together and they do it through through the through the power of montage there's mm. that there's a, it's and it's a very knowing sort of dig at the idea of this cliche that the band will be pulled back together through the idea through a montage um and it's it's the very opposite of that i mean you you say yourself that you prefer the film when it gets back to london but that's at the 55 minute mark of an hour and a half film very much so and and i'm not i, I bring that up just to highlight how how drawn out the process is or how how long the the time is in spain where don is trying to persuade gal to to get on board with this job whereas normally it's it's a very quick transition and then there'd be a lot more on the on the job itself to do with the job itself you kind of hit the nail on the head there as to why i didn't like it is you say that he spent that time in spain trying to convince uh gal to do it but he didn't he just spent that time yelling at gal gal going no yes and it's just it felt to me this cyclical nature of this relationship it just went nowhere and despite the kind of the culmination of that storyline um and i don't get into, into too much spoilers on there but the culmination of that interaction certainly changed things a little bit that culmination kind of came out of nowhere I understand from a sort of a filmic point of view, from an audience reaction point of view, it was interesting to see these actors play these roles. Mm. Amanda Redman, as you say, is very much a TV actress, not renowned for pushing boundaries, shall we say? Anything like new tricks? She's kind of she's she's the brassy blonde girl, if you see what I'm saying. Mm. In many films, yeah. and and this she plays an ex-hardcore porn actress um, wielding a shotgun. You've got Ray Winston, who's infamous for being a hard man, who is made successful from that by having an element of heart to his character. And here the heart's turned up to like 99%, and that's 1% of hard man left in it. Mm. You've got Ian McShane, Lovejoy, kind of moving into his darker territory. And you've got Sir Ben Kinsley, infamously for Gandhi and Chinder's List, turning up to turning up to 11, basically. Um, and it, I can see the, the rich enjoyment in seeing these actors, these character actors in many ways subvert their roles mm. and their, their expectations and the, I suppose there is a master class in acting in this film, I think that both the two leads shall we say, in, in Kingsley and Winston are watchable very watchable in this film and so I think, I think Ray Winston is good quality in anything he does I think he is great in this film um, I, I can see why there's an enjoyment in that but beyond that it left me cold 
but I do think this, it does come from a sort of a, a very rich tradition of of the British crime drama, mm. um, and it's one that the grimy crime drama is something that we do over here better than I think almost anyone else probably. Uh, American crime dramas have been much more shiny, and even the sort of the working class heroes in things like The Town, it's still still very shiny, actiony, which this isn't. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not- that, that was that was the note I wrote at, at one point in this about, and and I know that with this this at this point you start getting into your idea of it being a bit tropey in Spain. That's what you mean, but. It feels like at times this is a film about what doesn't happen. So many things happen off stage. Um, there's a revelation about the relationship between one of the women and Don that you never hear, but happens off stage. So they, mm. there are lots and lots of things that don't really happen, and it's it's something that Kingsley says to to Winston is is not what you're saying; it's what you're not saying. So there's something in this film about, about playing with that idea that in, in a gritty crime drama, things happen and you see them happening. And this mm. is a film where things don't happen. Yes, I, I, I would I would agree. I think that there's a, an element of kind of, this is seeing behind the curtain of business. And it's a, talking about action, it's noticeable that the, the, the film ends with the robbery, obviously. And it isn't an action-packed robbery. No, it's it's not a smash and grab. There's no guns. It's not that kind of robbery, and I think that it's almost its lack of action is notable. One thing I do want to talk about though is there are the occasional kind of flights of fantasy, mm. which start off as like a dream sequence, but also then become kind of come, I suppose, waking hallucinations, and then something else entirely towards the end. What did you make of those? I presume you're talking about the the figure that sort of haunts Gal, Donnie Darko, basically. Yeah, Donnie Darko yeah. with 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 the seven shotgun. But it it starts even starts before that. Do you have a sort of hallucination where Gal and Dee Dee are in the night sky above their Spanish villa, mm. like, and there's you don't really know whether it's a reflection or it's them floating in the sky so it, it sets up this idea of an eeriness about it all the way through but you're right, there there is a supernatural element and you get mm. that and it comes to the fore later on when um, events in Spain are sort of superimposed on the events from the robbery in, in Gal's mind I think that there's a breakdown in his character, and it's notable in, in Winston's betrayal of Gal that he almost looks like a different person in London who he is in, in Spain. Mm. Gal, Spain, feels very kind of on the back foot, nervous. He doesn't feel. He feels contented but not confident. Flash forward to London, Gal, and he's a very different character, very confident. You feel like he's back in his world. Mm. And obviously there's a disconnect between he didn't want to be there and all that kind of thing. But I think there's a a moment there where that say that, that scene they're flashing back between the two the two parallel storylines or the two storylines. That's notable because it's like you say he's in one world where he seems confident and sort of in control, but his mind's clearly on the previous previous life, yes. the previous place. 
there are some some interesting interesting layers to it. You're talking there about the layers in in Gal's character, but they're interesting layers throughout. Um, and I suppose this goes back to um, Glazer having a background in adverts, and also it was mm. does Jeremy Thomas have a background in adverts as well? I'm not sure about that. The producer did as well. I'm not sure of hand. Google is my friend. No, <laughs> no, uh, apparently not. But there was something very interesting in the layers. I, I, th- I think I get you on about. There's a a a layering to the characters in many ways. And there's an, a, an early scene in which Don's relating to Gal how this job came about. Yes, exactly. The story kind of goes up the chain to Ian McShane at the top. Teddy and then back down again, and there's visually very different images and very different visual clues in each one of those, mm. and they're very much tying into, in many ways, classical and and modern gangster films. You've got one guy who's clearly in some sort of strip bar. There's neon lighting of red and blue. You've got Teddy who's in like a high rise apartment in London. You've got uh, sort of you've got Gal over in Spain, and then you've got uh, what's it called uh, Don in more of a sort of traditional grimy gangster world. And you see these four levels of gangster films. And I think they're a, a, a conscious throwback to gangster films of the past. I think there is a, a conscious effort in this film to throw back to previous crime dramas, or at least a, the idea of crime dramas. The soundtrack at the start and the end is very notably kind of 60s, 70s. Yeah, I I wanted to get on to, get on to the soundtrack. Mainly because um, I've been reminded that the words we were groping for last week was diegetic and non-diegetic. Yes. Um, but the the way that the way that the um, Stranglers Peaches was introduced right at the beginning is it's it's very adverty in the way that it's mm. edited together. That was very slick, um, and also made made me think of. Um, what what did you think of Breaking Bad? Uh, I've watched three episodes, got really bored, and gave up. Yeah, you see, <laughs> I thought you might, but there there is there is something about the way that that is edited, um, and there are there are scenes set in the the New Mexico de- desert. It mm. reminded me of that, but um, no, I just I mentioned it. So in in sort of the wider context of of of. British crime dramas, as I mentioned there, there's a lot of, lot of throwbacks between them. Mm. I think it kind of it feels like it's as you say, often films are about something else entirely, and this often feels like it's about gangster films. Yes, yeah. That that I, I was I, I made a note as I was watching it that Gal and Don seem to be gangsters from different eras. That Gal feels like the Michael Caine era gangster you know it's like they're suave they're charming they're funny you know they, mm. there's a, a a good scene with um kingsley when he lists off all the nicknames that gal clearly used to have yes um and they're all kind of gorgeous gal good with the girls that stuff and that's very much that kind of playboy gangster that we had in the 1670s and then you've got don who's the much more i suppose modern gangster which is very violent very sweary this is the kind of the post-saw kind of gangsters. This is the the almost reaction to the the the, the mockney of Lock Stock. We're getting more into the Essex Boys, Green Street sort of style gangsters. And the film felt to me to kind of maybe be about that, about this kind of 
battle or balance between old school and new school and the new school trying to drag the old school back into its world mm. and maybe then the title sexy beast in 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 that case it feels like on one side it could be one of the nicknames that Gal had that was his mm. his moniker as a as a fun time gangster but then if to take to take your line of thinking, may, maybe Sexy Beast is sort of an, an ironic twist that people give this character Gal moving into the modern era, and Sexy mm. Beast some, means something more violent and more horrible. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, would, I would concur. I think also there's a the Sexy Beast is a bit of a kind of feels like a puncturing of certain, I'd say maybe more masculine fantasies and ideals. You've got your the three main gangsters in this being Teddy, Gal and Don. And very much in in the British kind of mythos, the gangster is the is the epitome of the male. And you know, the, the obsession with the Cray twins obviously highlights this. But in this we see Teddy um having what appears to be quite violent gay sex, which doesn't fit with the traditional narrative around a crime boss. That well, the early scenes of Don is him sitting in his pants, in some, 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 some tighty whiteies, which obviously kind of punctures that hard man image, and the opening scene of 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 uh, of Gal in his tiny short tiny pants while he sunbathes, the freeze frame with the title is him kind of throwing one leg over, and it isn't a sexy pose on anybody. Yeah, yeah. and it felt to me like almost like a conscious decision to try and puncture those traditional ideals of what masculinity in the gangster films were I was saddened that as the film went on they kind of returned to buying into those values of, of violence and those kind of things of being indicated of manhood, especially in the role of Teddy, who I felt like would be an interesting character and turned out to be basically any other gangster ever but I felt that there was a, a conscious effort to try and puncture some of those ideals mm. yeah I agree that this this could have been a more interesting film than than it turned out to be. Mm. Um, I thought it would, be, it would be an interesting one to talk about just from the point of view. There seem to be a lot of things there that this film throws up, um, and whether it whether it's entirely successful in all of those things remains to be seen. But I'm not sure about that. And you have uh, you have what overall you had. I was thinking a bit of comparison at the end between um, there is a the, the the swimming pool is becomes fairly central um, in mm. in the Spain narrative, but then also a drilling through a swimming pool in in London becomes important as well. So the two yes. things are tied together, and I really like that. However unsuccessful other parts of the film where it felt it, it felt satisfying that the, the two parts of it came together like that mm. I, I will say this as a general note on my reviews on these films I will always prefer a film that tries and fails mm. than a film that doesn't we, earlier in the year we covered Avengers 2 and that was a film that felt like it wasn't really trying mm. You know, it was rolling out the same joke thing characters, and it was a fun ride. But ultimately, it was tasteless, and it wouldn't not tasteless, but lacking taste. Mm. Um, it was kind of bland. Whereas, Sexy Beast, while I didn't like it, I can appreciate that they were trying to do something. Yeah. And have, having seen things like Green Streets, Mean Streets, 
that kind of Essex boy style, style kind of gangster films quite a lot. I do appreciate that they tried to do something here. They tried to take this genre somewhere else. It may not have been successful, and I may not really like the film and have a desire to watch it again, but I do appreciate that they tried something with it. Mm. Yeah. Good. Um, as as always, then, we end with some recommendations, and where have your thoughts taken you this week? I've got I've got two recommendations, as always. My first one is a bit more obvious, and my second one's a little less obvious. The first one is the 1980 film The Long Good Friday. This is a gangster film from the 80s in many ways the archetypical gangster film it's kind of post Kane pre sort of video nasty era shall we say um it's oh, kind Kane of Kane as in Michael Kane yes I sorry yeah, Michael Kane as in Citizen Kane I was like well no. lots of things are post Citizen Kane it's quite an old no. film Michael Kane right. uh, I think Michael Kane um, sort of destroyed the the uh, genre of Colossus at the time. I it stars see. Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren. Um, it's kind of about British gangsters and there's some bombs going off and it's just, it's so well done. Bob Hoskins is perfect. Helen Mirren is perfect and it has an infamous final shot. Um, and it's just kind of, it has everything you want from a gangster film. It has good men, bad men, morally dubious men it has action and it has it feels like it's trying to not say I mean, not say something but trying to cover some interesting ideals because in many ways I feel that a good gangster film needs to appreciate the grey areas in the morality mm. that anything that glamorises people too much is, isn't great mm. and anything that kind of demonizes them too much isn't great either the, the good gangster films even good crime films as a whole are ones when you delve into that kind of grey area between the two. My second recommendation is a slightly more tenuous and more of a thematic link, which is the 1992 film Unforgiven. Now, this is a film that at some point I kind of want to watch for, for, for the podcast, but Unforgiven is a what you technically call a revisionist western. It is starring uh, Clint Eastwood. It is directed by Clinton and it's about a retired gunslinger who is called back to active duty one last time um, to avenge the murder of the prostitutes. And it has the same sort of feel of the man who's retired picking up his his old skills, fighting against that desire to be that person again, but still feeling the need to do it for a higher purpose, for a long-term goal. I think there are at times some parallels between the western genre and the gangster genre and Unforgiven is one of the best westerns out there and I felt very much this that Sexy Beast was trying to be the Unforgiven mm-hmm. of gangster films yeah. it didn't work but I can see where the thematically it came from well, good um, Sam I also have two recommendations this week and you said your first one was obvious now that, that's nothing. This this is this can be more obvious, um, and I'm just gonna. It almost doesn't count as a recommendation because so many people have seen it. But it came out the year after Sexy Beast, and I know I should probably say the 1960 original, but to be honest, go see Ocean's Eleven. S- see the 2001 Ocean's Eleven. 
Um, it's so good. It, yeah, it is just, it's very slick. Um, and I, I agree with you that generally um, British films do it better than American films when it comes to a particular sort of crime drama, but this would be an exception to that. Mm. Um, my second, though, is there's another one that I'd like to cover on this podcast at some point. It's the one I know we both like. Um, and the link is Ben Kingsley, um, and it's uh, date. Not sure of the date. Um, R- Rob will tell me or Google it. Um, <laughs> it's the film Lucky Number Seven, which ah, yeah. I think is a much underrated film, and I very much enjoyed that. I would agree entirely. I think it's a great film, and the sequel's terrible, but uh, the original is well underrated uh, and one of the best performances by Lucy Liu I've ever seen and thank you for filling while I just googled which year that came out it's 2006 um, lucky number 11 there you go yeah. so guys if you want to find us online come and tell us we're wrong come and argue our films or even just recommend other films you should watch or even you know talk to us about about Sexy Beast and uh, about it you can find both of us on Twitter at, at Prestige Podcast. You can find me at Life underscore Academic. And you can find just me at Rob Kaiju. Um, so what are, we, what are we watching next week? Huh? Next week we are going to watch the 2010 film The Social Network. Interesting. Right. So we'll talk about that next week. The story of Facebook. Right. Okay. I look forward to discussing that with you next week. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr. Arr.